Welcome to the 30A Show, your beach-happy podcast produced in South Walton, Florida, just steps from the beach. Brought to you locally by Shunkali Oyster Bar at the corner of 393 and 30A. Let's get to it. Hey, everyone. Uh, this is Mike uh, here on the Beach Happy Podcast. Uh, as you know, uh, here on 30A, we're all about the beach, but we're also all about happiness. And we're all about meeting interesting people from all walks of life and to discuss what, you know, what it is that, that makes them happy, makes them passionate. And I have the great honor today of being with uh, Matt Battaglia. Um, Matt is a uh, well-known Man, you're a producer, actor, director, you're an athlete, so many different things, uh, a bit of a renaissance guy. But uh, um, to, to tell the guys, number one, what is your connection to the Gulf Coast here? Well, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, okay. My wife is from Greenville, South Carolina. So um, we were both pretty poor growing up, and we didn't get many vacations. But the one vacation I had growing up was down along 38 near Panama City. Okay. And, um, my wife had gone down there too. And uh, so when we started looking for a retirement home, something that I could build or buy, uh, even though we live on the West Coast, we always wanted to retire in the Southeast. And my mm -hmm. wife and I are huge college football fanatics. So uh, that's the worst part about living on the West Coast <laughs> is the tailgating out here. But, yeah, yeah. Um, substandard tailgating, I think. To there. say the least. <laughs> well, that's another question you should ask me. It's a funny story. But um, so I knew we wanted to be that direction. I came back and, you know, the most well-known area for us back then was Destin Beach. So I started driving towards Destin. And the moment that I got into the Destin city limits, literally the traffic stopped. <laughs> right. And, and I'm by myself and I'm saying to myself, look, I've got enough of this in Los Angeles. I don't want to cross the country or retire here and have what I currently live in. Yeah. So I started, I turned from Destin and started heading east toward past Sand Destin and along 30A. And then I came along um, the gated community of Carolina Beach and uh, fell in love with it because we have two young children. Yeah. Um, we liked that it was um, kind of a hidden gem, if you will. Yep. Um, the beaches are private and, and um, it just is an area we fell in love with. So we love the beaches down there in uh, Northwest Florida, 30A, and that's why we decided to find a place there. That's awesome. Well, we're going to jump in in a second and talk about um, what you like about Carolina and about your beach home. But uh, before we do that, uh, you have an incredibly impressive um, career in in television and film, you've been in over like a hundred different, involved with over a hundred different projects. Yeah. Yeah. What are some yeah. of the ones you're most proud of? I mean, you've, you've won some, uh, you've won some Golden Globe nominations and other things. What, what are you most proud of in your acting? And I mean, obviously for those of you who immediately recognize you probably from Friends, I know you were, uh, uh, played Phoebe's boyfriend, I think, and in, in some, uh, for a season or two, I can't remember. Yeah, I was a fireman, uh, Phoebe's uh, boyfriend, the fireman Vince on Friends. That's that's a job that I really enjoyed because it was you know it was a huge huge show, and uh, of all the jobs I've ever done, uh, that's the one I get most recognized for. I don't think we should see each other anymore. Uh huh. Good deal. I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. It's just that. Uh, I thought we had something pretty special here. And 
And you know, I, I felt like you were someone I could finally open up to, and there's so much in me I haven't shared with you yet. Oh my God, I didn't know I, you were so... I'm sorry, I can't talk. <laughs> I'm gonna go write in my journal. You've certainly been in some other uh, big film. Uh, Dolph, you starred opposite uh, Dolph Lundgren in a, in a movie or two. And, and also, uh, you've been behind the scenes a lot, right? You're behind the camera doing a lot of producing and uh, other types of works. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to... Um, I didn't start producing until about oh, 2011, I think, is when I started producing. Um, Acting, I did, like you said, about 100 TV shows. I, I think the jobs I'm most excited about in the past were Friends. Uh, there was a Universal Soldier uh, movie that I did when I replaced Jean-Claude Van Damme in the lead role of that. Um, uh, I used to love doing the sitcoms they had in the 90s because you're in front of a live audience. Right. I brought a lot of joy, and um, I wish that would come back because I really had a good time doing the Friends and the Third Rock from the Sun. and you know, all those kind of shows. Bryce, thank you so much for staying up tonight and helping me out with this crunch. <laughs> well, that's my job. Well, you know, you're making quite a name for yourself in the organization. Sally's Boy Wonder. That's what they're calling you. <laughs> Who's calling me that? Sally. <laughs> Let's take a five, shall we? Let me pour you a glass of wine. My research tells me that alcohol dulls your senses and impairs your judgment. I had not heard that. <laughs> Producing-wise, that was one of my better experiences. Um, the first thing I produced was this, this thing right here. It's a, it's a show about um, a drug intervention show. Uh, it's the most um, successful drug court in the country. And so um, I produced that. Usually you sell shows 10 episodes at a time. I was fortunate enough that I sold that one uh, for 130 episodes for season one. We won Emmys for it. I won Emmys producing it. And then we got picked up for a second season of another 130 episodes. So that was a really great experience. The, the uncomfortable experience was that with that was being the knucklehead that I was uh, first time producing. Uh, I sold our house in the Hollywood Hills, my wife and I, that I built. And, um, took all the money from the sale of that house instead of buying another house, I financed that show. So I was really rolling the dice, um, extremely nervous. Um, luckily, I got my money back and then some, but I learned from that experience never to do that again. Yeah, that's uh, a little scary. That's uh, yeah. when you're playing with your own poker chips, that's uh, yeah. it's a different game. Yeah. Um, so uh, you also, though, uh, prior to your acting career, you, you actually played in the NFL. You were on the Philadelphia Eagles for a little while. Yes. Um, my, my, the most exciting part of my football career was leading the nation in tackles in college two years in a row, my junior and senior year. Um, I was an All-American at Louisville, um, led the country in tackles, and then I played with the Cleveland Browns, Philadelphia Eagles. Cleveland, very short amount of time than Philadelphia. Um, but I, I enjoyed college a, a great deal more than the NFL. The NFL was a fantastic experience, um, and it's nice to get paid. But um, the, the joy that you get from playing for your university and playing amongst your friends is so much greater than uh, the league. Um, so, uh, but, yeah, football was a good time. That was my life.
situation first and ten. Alvin Flint had a hole, but then ran into a linebacker, Matt Pataglia, looking from Louisville. Second and five. And this time he is buried by a blitzing linebacker, Pataglia, and lost all of what he gained. He just absolutely strips the ball away. But You actually got a credit for uh, uh, sacking Sean Payton, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny when you Google search. Uh, I don't know what these outfits are that put together number of tackles. Uh, they're they're ina inaccurate. I think there's one source. The NFL says I made two tackles, and my highlight film shows more than two tackles. So <laughs> I, I don't know how they come up with numbers, but um, yeah, it was a good experience. Really good experience. Buddy Ryan was my coach at. Uh, Philadelphia, and uh, that was a pretty interesting guy. And uh, Howard Schnellenberger was my coach at Louisville. Now, you have a, a home that's on the beach in Carillon Beach uh, that is, is it called Beauty in the Beach or something like that? It's Beauty in the Beach. And it's um, listed through a cottage rental agency? Yes, yes. It's so, a house that I built. Yeah, so what year did you build the home? Uh, I finished it in March 2019, just last year. Oh, wow. So it is new. And, uh, and, and so did you kind of build it with the idea that it would be a place that you and uh, your family would move at some point? Yes, it's, it was the, it's the plan uh, for it to be the retirement home that okay. once the kids grow up to college, my wife and I move down there. We love, we, the two of us have always loved beach living, yeah. and, um, being around warm water. Um, so that's the plan renting it out was just sort of a business decision. You know, if we're not using it, why not rent it out? Let other sure. people enjoy the house. So it's a big house. It's 6,100 square feet. And wow. we've taken between 20 and 24 people down there on three different occasions and never felt crowded. And the first time I was stressed over it, I won't lie to you. Uh, we had 22 people going down there spring break last year. And I wow. thought oh, this was a mistake, <laughs> but, um, it's got eight full bedrooms, and every bedroom has its own in-bathroom suite. So people don't have to leave the room if they don't want to. And there's um, television rooms, um, living nice. rooms at every level. And then you've got the beach. So it's got 140 feet of frontage on the beach, where most houses down there have about 50. So it's got a lot of beach frontage. And That's um, cool. So do you spend more of your time right now in Atlanta or on the West Coast? Well, right now I'm spending more of my time on the West Coast, but uh, funny you should ask, and this is not public information yet, my wife and I are giving serious considerations to moving back to Atlanta. Okay. Uh, we've been back several times in the last six months. I'm filming, <clears throat> I'm recurring on two TV shows right now, one films in Atlanta, one in Baton Rouge. Um, that coupled with, so the two film jobs, coupled with the four subdivisions I'm building in Greenville, South Carolina, a house in Florida, and I've got a subdivision in Freeport. Um, it just, all my work is really back on the East Coast right now, so. Wow, so I, uh, really, you know, over the last decade, I mean, Georgia, well, and Baton Rouge as well, but I mean, really has become a hotbed for, for TV and film, right? Atlanta's second only to Los Angeles and the number of productions being filmed in the area. Hmm. Um, a, a lot of film and TV is being done in Atlanta right now. And do you see that as kind of capping out or do you see that as something that's going to continue? I think it'll continue. Um, there was a little bit of backlash from Hollywood when um, 
you know, pro-choice and the whole political thing. And, and oh, right, right. You know, saying that if Georgia doesn't change that law, they're not coming there. But I guess a year or two later, they're still going there. I don't know. I, yeah. I don't see it slowing down. There's a pretty big tax credit there to film in uh, Georgia. So that seems to be the attraction. You know, I know that uh, obviously the Truman Show was filmed down here, but I was fascinated with the communities in Georgia that really embraced it uh, and how the, you know, certain owners and developers went in and, and basically uh, built or revitalized a small town with the idea of essentially making it a glorified movie set that had, you know, sound studios as well as different locations that were in a portfolio that could be uh, rented for lack of a better word for use in, in film and TV, especially series like Walking Dead, et cetera. But it's always struck me that this area down here has such a diversity of uh, environmental backdrops, not just the ocean, but the rivers and the, 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 the lakes and the, the, uh, the bay. But also you've got such a, a stark variety of architecture, whether it's Alice Beach or Rosemary Beach or Seaside. You know, you could be in Europe uh, in, in, against certain backdrops of these communities. And then in others, you're in, uh, rural, you know, Georgia or rural Florida. Um, and so it just struck me as really, an, uh, really clever that Georgia and certain communities, uh, embraced it and were able to capitalize on it. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think that Northwest Florida is an ideal place to film because of all the reasons you just stated. The problem with that, um, South Florida used to be a hub like Atlanta was. And okay. that shifted, the state of Florida shifted because they decreased the credits, the tax credits available to productions. Right. Um, the, the problem with Northwest Florida is you're having to bring in talent. You have to fly in um, directors and actors and producers and all this stuff. And they usually don't like to make a lot of connections. Yeah. So yeah. the reason Atlanta does so well is it's a nonstop. Single flight. Yep. Single flight. Uh, Northwest Florida, you've always got to connect. And that's why Miami and South Florida did so well, um, you know, 10 years ago. That was the hub over there on the East Coast because you could just take a direct flight from either New York or Los Angeles. That said, the, uh, the new airport, well, it's 10 years old now, but the airport in uh, ECP, Panama City, is pretty convenient to Carolina Beach, that's for sure. Yeah, it is. It literally takes us about 15 minutes to get to the house. Yeah. That's great. So what is it about the beach and, 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 you know, on the West coast, obviously Southern California, well known for its, you know, surf culture for its vibe, but for people who visit the Gulf coast, it really is an extraordinary place. I mean, not just domestically, but it's one of the, 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 in my opinion, one of the most beautiful stretches of coastline in the world that I've been to yet so what do you what what do you think it is about um this area in particular that draws you and your family as opposed to say the west coast what what, what are some of the stark differences i would say i think i know the answer to that question for the entire world it's the southern charm and the southern hospitality the culture um you know the west coast the, the water is beautiful the sunsets are gorgeous but the waters freezing <laughs> yeah. so, it's wetsuit every day it is a wetsuit on the west coast um yeah. florida you know you've got the east coast of florida which is beautiful but you don't get the sunsets you've mm -hmm. got south florida um which is great but you've got um a lot of, south florida is almost like its own country because you've got a, a melting pot of yeah. people that come in from all over the world the great thing about northwest florida is 
it's still got the hometown Southern feel. It's got the Southerners with the culture and the food, um, down to earth people, um, good prices on food and relatively good prices on real estate. So, you know, what's not to love? Yeah. Uh, compare it with South Florida or the West Coast. Speaking of which, what are some of your favorite uh, food destinations once you get down here to the beach? Do you have any favorites? I love Cafe 30A. Yeah. Um, and my wife loves that breakfast place called um, Pig in the, uh, Perfect the Perfect Pig. Perfect Pig. She loves that place. I really enjoy because, you know, I spend so much time with our young kids. I really love that place in Seaside where you've got, you know, the little pub right on the beach and you've got that outdoor arena where they sing on Friday nights. Yep. Yep. Uh, the I amphitheater love, and Bud yeah. Alley's and Great Southern yeah, Cafe. And, exactly. So yeah. They, and actually uh, near Carillon, um, you've also got that 30 Avenue, which has Amici 30A and some yeah. of those really great spots. We go to Amici every time we we're there. In fact, last time we were there, uh, New Year's Eve, we were down there. That uh, husband and wife that owned Amici bought the Mexican restaurant right next to them. That's right. So, uh, Amigo 30A now. Yeah, and uh, yeah. so it's uh, George and his wife, and then also Chef Locke is, uh, yes. is an amazing chef. We there. love those. They're so sweet to us when we come down there. They're great they're really family great. for sure. For sure. So, how often do you get down to the beach? To, to our house down there in Carolyn? Mm -hmm. uh, three to four times a year. We come down there every spring break, uh, summer break. Um, New Year's Eve, and we try and make a fourth trip at some point. If we move to Atlanta or become bi-coastal, which I'm pretty sure is going to take place in June, um, anytime that house is not rented, we're probably going to be down there. That's awesome. My, my job is flexible enough, my, my real estate development or my acting producing, that other than when I'm having to be on the set, I can do my work from remote anywhere. Yeah, remote. I think that's... That's a profound change that is impacting so many people that, you know, it wasn't even possible 12 years ago. I mean, it was starting to become, you know, uh, technologically possible. And now culturally, I think people are embracing the idea of working from home or working your own hours or working from anywhere. And I think we're going to start to see, um, I've, I, I've always believed that design is really what separates this 30A corridor from a lot of other beach destinations. It's the architectural design, it's the urban planning, it's the interior design. And I think that we're all intrinsically, whether we realize or not, we're attracted to design, right? You know, we get here and it's like, it feels very village-like, it feels yeah. like a sense of community that perhaps we're missing in our own lives back in the larger metropolitan cities. So I believe there's a lot of lifestyle design happening right now, you know, so it's people designing the life they want to live um, rather than letting the job dictate where they live or how many hours they put in They're They're kind of willing to make sacrifices to, to work and live on their own terms. And I think you're seeing a lot more of that, you know, down here and especially, and, and we'll continue to. Yeah. And I also think that the fact that 38 doesn't allow any building to be constructed over four stories. It's, it's it huge. The hotels out, it keeps the riffraff out. I mean, yep. you know, it's, it's, um, it's really nice for that reason. Well, and you've got, you know, 40% of the land here is protected. So especially right where you are at Carillon, you've got, you know, Camp Helen right across the Lake Powell there. And then you've got 25,000 acres of state park, which also helps keep it feeling, um, 
you know, more ecocentric, I think, than a lot of destinations. We, I think we were blessed in that we were one of the last parts of Florida to be developed. And so we were able to pause and see what went right and wrong in other communities. And, and it's unfortunately too late for the communities in s other parts of Florida, in some cases where you can't even see the water for all the condo towers. Right. Uh, and the forest is already long since gone. But at least here, I think really that's something that's gonna make our community uh, continue to be special is just the ability to explore the outdoors and the ability to keep it feeling human scale I yes. think is, is important. Yes. What is it that, you know, obviously you're something of a Renaissance guy, you're an athlete, you're a, I didn't know you were a builder, uh, you're, you're a producer, you're an actor. What is it that really is your passion? I mean, are you uh, at your heart? It sounds like um, I hesitate to say an entrepreneur, obviously you're an entrepreneur in, in the uh, development and construction world. Are you kind of an entrepreneur in the sense of all of these productions? Are you basically treating them each as little businesses or what? Yeah, um, I tell you, you know, passions I think change in life. You go through different seasons in your life and you know, growing up, football was my passion until I, the career had to end over an injury. Um, then acting and producing became my passion. Um, as of late in the last 10 years, real estate has become a huge um, passion of mine. I like the creative side of it. I like building one-offs and luxury homes. The subdivision development that I'm doing or have been doing uh, is coming to an end, I think. I don't know that I'll continue that because it doesn't give me passion. Right. It was a money maker. It was a business. And I understand business pretty well, but it doesn't, give, it doesn't feed my passion at all. I think my passion is going to probably continue to be in the entertainment business, um, maybe to do one or two more luxury homes. But I'm, you know, 54, and my passion now, I feel like, you know, if I was being frank with you, I've accomplished all that I really need to accomplish in this lifetime for what America values. You know, entertainment and football and trophies and awards and all these things are great if I want to sit around dinner and talk about myself. But I, I've, I'm starting to become aware of mortality and giving back and what's really important in life. Um, I'm a man of faith. That's a huge part of my life. And um, so I tie 10% of everything I earn uh, gross. And now I'm at a place where there's a good chunk of money that I want to start putting into the communities. Um, I formed a foundation uh, that's going to revolve around children and teaching them how to pray, teaching them how to do community service and missions and helping the elderly. Um, I see the next 20 years of my life, 30 years, having a great deal of time spent towards giving back and sharing and um, doing things for God's kingdom. That's just something that's important to me. And, you know, it's funny, a lot of people talk to me and they say, oh, I, you know, that's great, but I'm not religious. And I say, you know, it's not religion to me. Um, I don't understand every religion in the world, and we, we can get off the subject anytime. I'll make it very quick. No, they it's all right. That's what we're here for. They all believe in mind, body, spirit. Everyone from Muslims to Islams to Jews to the Christians to everybody. And we as humans, we spend 16 hours a day on our mind. Right now, working our mind. The time you get out of bed, um, what you're doing, your emails, your work, driving the car, all that is work for your mind. We spend eight hours a day on our bodies, going to sleep at night and deciding what you're going to eat during the day. Am I going to eat healthy or unhealthy? But we don't spend any of time on our spirit. 
Yet every religion in the world believes that mind, body, and spirit exist. And every religion in the world believes that the spirit is the only thing that goes into the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Every one of the religions believe that. So if my spirit is going to be in the afterlife, why wouldn't I spend time educating myself, spending time with my God in this life? Like that to me is not religion. It's just normal life. It's, it's my life. I can't ignore these things exist. So coming to that realization that I've spent a lot of time in my mind and my body in the last 54 years, but I want to spend more time on the spiritual side of my life and giving to others and teaching others and learning from others and, you know, trying to leave a positive imprint on this earth. And um, hopefully for those um, wanting to know more about God and, you know, their, their spiritual life. To me, it's not religion. It's just life. I think you're kind of echoing, you know, what we all feel as we, as we get a little older and start to, as you say, uh, realize our own, uh, the eminence of our own mortality um, at, at some point. Uh, you lost your mother and, and out of something, uh, out of that, you created a charity called Mint Jubilee or something. Yeah. So yeah, lost, yeah. is that the type of, uh, is that an organization still around? And if so, you know, is, uh, w- what's going on with it? But also what sorts of organizations do you, do you hope to be supporting kind of as you move forward? Um, the Mint Jubilee is an organization. I lost my mom to cancer in August of 1993. In um, 1999, I formed this nonprofit that revolved around the Kentucky Derby. Um, it's a celebrity. It was a celebrity-based event where we would fly in celebrities from Hollywood, uh, put them at the hotels, take them out to the events, and we'd have a black tie event, and we'd sell tickets to that. And any proceeds we made after our expenses, um, we'd give to cancer, uh, the cancer hospital there. Mm-hmm. First year, we sold 400 tickets. Uh, the second year, we sold 800 tickets. The third year, we sold out at 1,200 and um, were televised around the world into 200 million homes in 60 countries. Wow. Entertainment Television, uh, Entertainment Tonight, ESPN, they all covered us. And um, that became a monster of a, uh, a bet when we were televised around the world and it just kept growing. The corporations came in and we were raising lots of money, gave millions away to cancer but it became a full-time gig <laughs> right? and uh, me and my other founders and um, board of directors, not one person ever took a penny. No one was getting paid a salary. It was all completely volunteer. But when you get to that level, if you want to continue, you've got to start paying people. And um, I could not commit a full-time job to that endeavor. So I had to step away from it. And I think that, one of the things that I brought to the Mint Jubilee was easy access to celebrities. When I stepped away, it, it, I think in some ways took away from the event. They couldn't solidify the celebrities without the celebrities. You can't get the TVs without TVs. You can't get the corporations. It all ties together. Sure. So that uh, nonprofit dissolved um, back in 2004 or five. What that benefited cancer patients. And I started that memory of my mom. Now what I'm doing, I formed a foundation called Kids Stand, and the stand, S-T-A-N-D, stands for Striving Towards a New Destiny. Um, It's going to be an after-school program we put into um, schools, and basically what it's going to be is um, uh, 90 minutes, uh, 45 minutes is going to be spent when the kids get out of school. They come in and we um, 
go over Bible verses and teach kids how to pray. I think there's so many children that don't, they're, they're going in broken families or they're struggling with um, their identities or bullying. There's so many things they don't understand. And teaching a kid how to pray, no matter what religion you are, or if you're against religion, how could anyone not want a kid to know how to pray? So, you know, it's, it's funny you should say it. Uh, I've got four kids and, and they're all older now. And I was raised Catholic. And, you know, my first two children got a pretty serious Catholic upbringing like I did. I went to, you know, Catholic school through eighth grade and, you know, church numerous times a week, et cetera. And I think when my younger two, I started to get lazy um, and we started to, you know, all families go through changes, et cetera. And I feel like I was really lax with the younger two in terms of um, giving them that foundation. Now, they fortunately turned out to be great kids as, as they all did. However, there was a point in time where I was worried because I remember one of the things that as I was growing up, and especially when I got to high school and college and maybe some of the dark uh, moments that we all go through in our life, I had that voice uh, that I could speak with. I had, you call it God, you can call it whatever you want, but I had a, and still have a, a belief that there is someone there, right? There is someone there listening and responding. And I did worry that did I rob my two younger children, especially of that voice. And, and again, I, uh, they, they turned out great and they seem to be uh, adapting well, but I do think it's important to give young people um, a belief in something higher um, uh, beyond yourself, beyond this world. And you can call it God, you can call it whatever you want. As you say, there's a lot of different religions out there with different takes on it, but it is important to believe in something bigger than yourself, I think. Yeah. And, and that's something that too many people are growing up without these days. I think in today's world, um, adults in particular were so busy i mean ever since social media emails all this access to the internet came everyone's lives are a lot busier than they were busier than they were 20 years ago and because of that i think the one thing that um gets lost or forgotten is your relationship with god or going to church and you know now you've got sports when i grew up there was never sports on sunday in today's world, there's travel teams, and they're all on Sunday. You're traveling to all different parts of the country or your regions. So going to church has decreased a great deal, I think, in the last five years in particular. So this after-school program, the first 45 minutes, all the students will you know, go through this um, curriculum um, of praying and, or learning how to pray. I don't want it to be so much of a church experience. It's very sure. casual. But the next 45 minutes is going to be um, very high-end trainers that will come in and, and give the kids specialized training. On the West Coast, there's like Mamba. Uh, Kobe Bryant was known for this Mamba Academy. But you guys know in all parts of the country, there are these very high-end training facilities and trainers that you have to pay a lot of money for. I want to make that available to the kids in the schools. And the second 45 minutes, you'll have a choice to either get 45 minutes of sports training or 45 minutes of tutoring because some kids need the tutoring and don't need the academic, the, the athletics because they're great athletes, but they're struggling in school. So there we have, we're teaching mind, body, spirit, 
the prayer, you got to do the prayer part to get the other two because everyone's going to want the athletic training or <laughs> tutoring. But from my perspective, give me the first 45 minutes and then we will give you what you might be seeking the last 45 minutes. For the parents, what does it do for them? It gives them another hour and a half. They don't have to pick up the kids after school. It's basically a built-in uh, daycare, uh, which costs you nothing because I'm going to fund it myself. So um, people will not have to pay for this service after school. So that's what I want to try and put into place. And um, I'm going to give that a shot as soon as I get back to uh, the East Coast. Well, that's super cool. So uh, you mentioned that you've got a couple of shows that you're currently involved with. Are they shows that are on the air now or are they in production to be on the air? Yeah, there's a show called The Resident, which is a show for Fox. It's been on this the third season. I've done two episodes. One episode is aired. Uh, the other episode, I should look to see when it's going to air just to tell you guys. It's called The Resident. I'm going back the end of this month to film. The next episode is going to air March 17th. Okay. Um, the resident for Fox, but the show that I'm most excited about is called Paradise Lost. It's for Paramount. I filmed it last fall. It's going to be released this April. And it stars Nick Nolte and Barbara Hershey and Josh Hartnett. Uh, most of you guys recognize Josh Hartnett from uh, Black Hawk Down. Mm -hmm. um, he was also, um, let's see, Black Hawk Down and um, not The Notebook, but. Anyway, um, I play younger Nick Nolte, so uh, the show has a lot of flashbacks. It's a very dysfunctional family uh, from the South, so every time they flash back to Nick Nolte's family at a younger age, I play the Nick Nolte character, and the writing is some of the best writing I've had in 20 years. And what's the, at, at a high level, what's the basic premise? You said it's Paradise Lost? Yeah, it's, it's uh, the premise is there's a Southern aristocratic family, um, Nick Nolte's characters is a judge. He has a lot of weight in that region, um, but he's got children that are very dysfunctional and they do some questionable things. Um, some things get covered up, some things get forgotten about, uh, but they always have adverse effect uh, effects on people around them. So sure. it's really the, the life of this Southern town and the stories of sometimes the things that get swept under the rug and hidden and you know it's um it's that kind of a story that's cool well that's great so uh matt we are going to um uh look forward to having you down at the beach soon are you coming back for spring break you think this year we are we're in fact oh god you just reminded me i i have to book my flights today um so yes we are coming down there i think it's the third week in april okay um yeah You're awesome that's uh we do the uh I don't know if you're an auto guy or not. I'm not really a motorhead, but we do have the uh, 30A Sand Rover Rally, um, which is, I believe, April 17th and 18th. So it's all these vintage Land Rovers, all the beach cruisers, all the old Defenders, and uh, we'll be we'll be kind of doing that at Gulf Place and out in the State Forest. So you'll have to make sure you bring the kids and come. Oh, over I see love it. that. That sounds That's great. It's fun. Um, so we're going to link to your site uh, for anybody who wants to come to the beach and uh, stay in a pretty extraordinary property built by the man himself. Um, we're going to put a link to your Beauty and the Beach uh, home in Carillon Beach. Uh, it's uh, also listed, I guess, by Cottage Rental Agency, our friends over there. And, um, you know, we want to we want to follow up with you and learn more about the charities um, that you're creating, but also the projects that you're working on. And we would love 
to, uh, you know, when you're, when you're down here to get you down and we'll do an interview in person and uh, would love to sit down and kind of show you some of our favorite places here on the coast too. I will for sure call you ahead of time to set up an uh, interview in person when I get down there spring break. I, I do want to tell you the, the beach house, Beauty and the Beach, it has a separate carriage house. Okay. So if anyone says, I, we can't rent this place, we don't have 20 people. The carriage house, which is also on the beach, um, has a two bedroom, two baths. So you can either have just the carriage house, the front house, which is six bedrooms. When it, they have a choice. They don't have to take the entire property. Okay. That's awesome. That works well. And especially if you're bringing the in-laws or anybody else you uh, or the, um, the kids. Uh, so there's separate quarters for everybody. Exactly. Awesome. Matt, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to having you here at the beach soon. Thank you so much. And I'll be in touch on uh, when we're heading down that way. Sounds great. We're going to the Comic-Con in Bakersfield. They have a big costume contest. It's cooler than it sounds. <laughs> I don't know. Sounds pretty cool. <laughs> I think I have all I need here. You guys need me to call someone? I'm guessing your mom's. <laughs> Thanks, but we've got it covered. Okay, I just talked to my mom. <laughs> Find the 30A Show on your favorite streaming apps or inside our 30A apps for iPhone and Android. Thanks for listening to the 30A Show, brought to you locally by Shunk Gully Oyster Bar. Until next time, beach happy.